Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On. We're a multiple award-winning show celebrating over 13 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting African Americans. Good evening, I'm William Hosea. In today's broadcast, you'll hear our perspective on what's relevant in the African American world of news and local events all in in the next hour right here on Bring It On. But first, uh, on their homepage, the city of Martinsville describes itself as a wholesome community at the heart of South Central Indiana with annual activities for citizens and visitors. In addition, Martinsville Martinsville boasts that it is the flourishing economic hub along the I-69 corridor located 30 miles south of Indianapolis and 20 miles north of Bloomington. While these glowing claims might be substantiated, there remains a perception of this southern Indiana town that is not very flattering. Due to a series of past violent incidents, numerous efforts have been undertaken to improve the image of Martinsville and accentuate its positive attributes. Uh, To discuss this further, during today's extended interview segment on Bring It On, we have invited Martinsville Police Chief Matthew Long Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte, and Indiana University Northwest Police Chief Wayne James. Gentlemen, welcome to Bring It On. Can, can I say something real quick? <clears throat> when do you guys turn 18? Because we got like two I know, when two they in, I was, police, chief, I, I was, police chiefs in here. I would say certainly. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> at least, at least Police Chief Long has a beard. I mean, I mean, but, <laughs> and Brother James here, he's growing wine. And I'm, thinking, I'm like, what in the world? Ooh. But uh, <laughs> welcome, welcome to the show. Ruben, you look young, too. <laughs> Thank you, man. I'm sitting there thinking, what's my turn? <laughs> R- Ruben, uh, we just turned 19. Uh, okay. Thank you, sir. Is no stranger to bring it on. I think this is his fourth his fourth visit. Now, now we are purposefully are not going to dwell on a lot of uh, negative sentiment in this show because there are a lot of positive things going on in Martinsville. We're going to highlight those things. But uh, we will do a dive into some of the history uh, that has sort of created a perception um, uh, and that it's uh, in some ways has sort of as they say stunted the growth of the city and even in some respects Bloomington uh, especially in any university has felt the sting of some of the perceptions and I have been told in years past that some recruiters for football I have cited that yeah you can go to IU yeah you can do this any other but you got to go through a small town called Martinsville and has turned recruits away from considering Indiana University. Now, that may be folklore somewhere in the athletic world, but uh, unfortunately, there are scrupulous recruiters out there. But nevertheless, we are glad to have these gentlemen here. There is a unique relationship with two of them um, that goes back a little ways and sort of help form the catalyst for making this work. So Police uh, James, Police Chief James, and Police Chief uh, Long have an association. They know one another. So Either one of you, if you want to begin just explaining that and how you met and, and sort of how that came to be. Well, myself and uh, Chief Long, we uh, we met over 14 years ago in the Indiana Law Enforcement Academy. Um, he was in C-Squad, I was in B-Squad. Um, 
and we established a relationship there. And I look at him not just as a uh, academy classmate, a colleague, but also a friend as well. Okay. And uh, Police Chief Long, want to add to that? Yeah, so uh, the old police academy that we all go through, 16 weeks of uh, everyone being together, every meal, every everything you do all day long, they become your uh, your brothers and your sisters of law enforcement. And it's, it's, a, it's a bond that just is it's thicker than blood. And, you know, to, to know that, you know, all these years later you still have these connections. Now, now we have an, an honorably discharged Marine in our midst here, and uh, what you're describing almost sounds similar to boot camp. Uh, can I use that as uh, allegory? Or? Knock yourself out. Okay, uh, and that, that is the Marine response right there, knock yourself <laughs> out. But, uh, but then there was also something else that sort of uh, led to uh, the start of this conversation, and, and you've been having conversations with students on the IU Northwest campus, and some of the topics that have come up related to traveling through southern Indiana sparked uh, reaction from you and then uh, reaching out to Chief Long. So can you describe that a little bit? Yes. Uh, last September, uh, Superintendent Ben Hunter from IUPD, he appointed me as the Chief Diversity Officer. In this role as Chief Diversity Officer, it was put together pretty much to try to steer better training for our police officers throughout the state, our seven divisions that spread out throughout the state, whether that be Gary, IU East and Richmond, Southeast, and Kokomo, as well as IUPUI. It was also to improve relationships relationships, and foster those relationships with uh, collaboration with the community. Now, the communities that we serve is pretty much our students uh, across the state, our staff and faculty. So we start having, I start having conversations with the different student groups. And one of the things that came up from not just the students, but staff and faculty from our different campuses that there are, they were afraid to drive through the city of Martinsville. Now, I looked at this um, perception that they have is probably from the past or just different things, their own personal experiences. So I saw this as a unique opportunity to really partner with Chief Long and reach out to him to discuss these issues. And he was very receptive to these issues. And, you know, we created a partnership to work together to try to build those relationships. You know, the irony uh, to me and um, uh, Chief James, uh, William and myself, we, we hail from Gary, Indiana, and we could talk about perceptions of cities, oh, yeah. um, and and it's like almost the two extremes, and yet this this uh, friendship, you know, was forged in your in your training uh, uh, experiences, but also sort of uh, spilled over into your your uh, vocational uh, uh, work. One of the things that I wanted to start off in addressing was, okay, there have been some incidents in the past that have sort of helped shape uh, a perception or aura around the city that uh, city officials and citizens alike have been trying to uh, uh, tear down over the years. The three come to mind, and the first happened almost 50 years ago. Come September 16th, it will be 50 years when Carol Jenkins Davis uh, was murdered. Uh, in Martinsville, and um, this was an open case for decades. Uh, a, a young uh, African-American woman selling, of all things, encyclopedias, uh, trying to uh, earn some money to get through school, and while doing so was, I believe, on Morgan Street yes, in Martinsville. Uh, a gentleman who had affiliations with the Klan saw her, took a screwdriver, and stabbed her in her heart and she of course uh, died instantly and and her body was then discovered on Morgan Street. 
and decades went past and, and of course trying to solve that case but then it got national um, press um, and it, it helped to create this sense of uh, unsafety um, for African Americans or other minorities regarding Martinsville. Uh, rather than talk about all three at once, let's talk about that situation because uh, I know that uh, the perpetrator was discovered and then there was some sense or, or effort to bring some closure with the Jenkins family. So, Chief Long, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, in 2017, uh, our mayor, Mayor Cole, Shannon Cole, uh, decided that she was going to reach out to the family and her and the, uh, the mayor of Richmond, I believe it is, uh, they got together and wanted to honor uh, Carol as well as the family for uh, you know for this for this uh, plaque that we're going to that we do have now at City Hall in Martinsville. Uh, Mayor Cole, it was with several other citizens. They they came together. They they kind of merged <coughs> as one and wanted to again take that perception away that you know that Carol was murdered because she was in Martinsville. And we know you know from from what we've read. Um, the suspect eventually died in the hospital or died in prison um, and was giving a nod to to assure them that he was you know guilty of this crime um, we don't know that uh, he's not linked to anything else we mm -hmm. do know that he was uh, from the Indianapolis area he was passing through um, but history is history and like we've talked about you know earlier on the uh, perception was that you walk through Martinsville to sell encyclopedias you're, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. um, Mayor Cole, like many of us, have, have been long-term, you know, Martinsville citizens, and you, and you hear that, you feel that over the years. I mean, I, I wasn't even born when this took place, but my entire childhood, I, you heard about this, this murder in Martinsville and, and, you know, the KKK and, you know, that you know, the, uh, the Afri African-American community is not welcome there. And, you, know, you get that, you know, why? why? You know, you always ask mm -hmm. why. And so... Uh, Mayor Cole, I think, is, is also uh, like us, wanting to know why as well. You know, that's 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 the past, and and we let the past go, and we try to move on from it, but build from it. And so when she and again, I think uh, the mayor of Rushville, uh, they had another big ceremony like a day or two later to honor Carol and, and you know for everything that she, she was doing. She was a, a young girl out doing a job, uh, and unfortunately, you know, a very tragic incident took place that has put Martinsville on the map. And I understand that um, at this ceremony, members of <coughs> Carol's family were in attendance. Her mother and father yes, sir. were there and uh, other members of the family. Uh, and they did something rather unique. They all gathered up for prayer. Yes, they did. And then the, uh, the plaque uh, was unveiled. Um, and it was a very touching ceremony. And, and, uh, and to me, yes, a very fitting first step or second step towards healing. Um, and, you know, communities, when they shoulder these type of uh, memories and, and historical incidents, it, it weighs heavy on all aspects of the community. It does. Um, now, the, the second situation uh, that I recall when I was a student at IU, we were uh, eating uh, breakfast in our cafeteria and reading the IDS, which was our sort of outlet. We didn't have 24-hour news at the time. We had to get up and news stopped at 10.30 in the morning, that was it. But uh, we read in the IDS that there, there was a young lady by the name of Ann Harmeyer, uh, who, again, an unfortunate situation in that she was brutally murdered and her body 
then literally dumped in a cornfield in Martinsville. Yep. And this woman was not from Martinsville, and the, the crime apparently did not take place in Martinsville, but her body was dumped in Martinsville. Do you have any reflections on that? I've read a little bit about it. Uh, it was the, I had not heard about that until I uh, received some notes from you and, and looked into it a little bit further. Um, you know, and it's it's hard to say. You know, it's, it's Morgan County. It's Martinsville. Um, you know, we do have two main highways that come through from, uh, from northern Indiana, southern Indiana. Uh, highway 67, uh, Highway 37, eventually Highway 69, I-69. Um, when reading that story, you're right. You know, it's a, passing through, and then here's the coincidence of this, this vehicle being located in Martinsville. She broke down, is what I understand. Um, and then, you know, the rest is, is history. She was dumped. Um, we are a, uh, a community... We talked before, you know, several cornfields is very, you know, in the, on the Highway 67 especially, um, it, it's very, it's very quiet at nighttime. Right, it's it's right. very, uh, you know, just it, it's traveled. It, it's a heavily traveled road, but it's but it's not, it's not one of these these highways that just are full of people all times of the day. And so, you know, it, again, something like that happens. Well, is it, is it not safe to drive through Martinsville at nighttime and it, it sticks with the community for all these years to come, and you know we're we want to we want to fix that image. We want to make sure that that's you know those incidents they could be tied together. We don't know mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. Um, but we want to make sure that you know that's the past and that we're you know we're moving on. You know, just as a bit of contrast, um, I, I mentioned earlier that uh, Chief James and and William Jose and myself we hail from Gary, Indiana, and we had our chapters. Um, uh, what comes to mind right away is Alton Coleman and Deborah Jones. Mm. Uh, that was a, I don't know, a month-long murder spree yeah. by psychopath, uh, pure psychopath, mm-hmm. uh, who murdered a friend of mine, former uh, classmate, mm. uh, Donna Williams. And um, this was a time when everyone was locking their doors, trying to figure out what was going on, and it got national, national mm-hmm. attention. And then uh, the girls that stabbed the Sunday school teacher, Miss yes. Pelk. Yes, um, Ms. Pelk. And the Pope even intervened uh, in that situation. So communities, at times, get things dumped on them. Sure. And I guess the metal of a community and the strength of community is how they, through all that, weather it, and then they're able to overcome and find their feet and keep going. Uh, I mean, that's you have to. You Absolutely. have to. Uh, the third one uh, w- was something that can happen in any community. I mean, again, I could tell you stories of of athletic events where things like this may have happened, but there was a uh, Martinsville and Bloomington North, I think, are rivals. I think any any school in Bloomington may be a rival with the Artesians. Right, and, right, uh, right. You know, William and I sit side by side, but I went to Gary Roosevelt as the Chief James. We made the right decision. <laughs> uh, William, William went to that's, that's, why, that's why you guys are still in therapy right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we went to Gary Westside and all those Westside individuals listening I love you <laughs> I have many friends from Westside but Chief James and I went to the right school but our rivalries are, are historic yeah. uh, I mean I've never seen a 16 well Westside Gem seated what about uh I honestly don't remember. Over 10,000? That, was, no, yeah, that right. wasn't that many. Uh, about six. Work with me now. They seated a lot of people. And there was a close battle. And what's, I, I, they did some infraction. The ref didn't catch it, but they won. <laughs> and to see both sides 
I mean, their whole stand is just they exited on unison into the center of the court, and it was so deafening. We didn't hear ourselves talking. You know, those memories will last forever, and those are good memories. Sure. Bloomington North played the Artesians in a basketball game, and uh, it, it got rough and tumbled. Um, and I think uh, I don't know if it was the excitement, energy. It was just the the, the fierce rivalry. But there were some things that happened such to the point that IHSAA had to step in and they put Martinsville on probation for a year. And they couldn't have any home games, which is almost like a kiss of death financially. Um, what Now, your reflections, you kind of mentioned beforehand that you were... I was in school at the time. You were in school yeah, at the yeah. time. So, and I remember all the Bloomington South, Bloomington North rivalries. I was a, a baseball player, uh, our football teams. I mean, I still remember this day, 84 to nothing, 84 to nothing. Bloomington South beat Martinsville, 84 to nothing. And people talk about that from the early on, before, even before I, I played. And, and, and Bloomington South put a hurt on Martinsville then, too. And uh, I know that uh, that rivalry got heated. Yeah. Uh, I think it was late 90s, 96, 97. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember the, uh, the no home games. And I, think it, and I think it still stays true to this, to this day. You can change as a whole but you can't change everyone and i think that even then you had fans that are maybe even still stuck in the in in that mindset that you know those words they didn't think those words were ever going to come back right not understanding the impact that those words had on the people i remember i don't know exactly what was said but i remember it being you know as a a young teenager Mm -hmm. this you're having to worry about you know leaving the school how do you get home that night are you safe to go at a, at a sporting event for high school. And that right there was pretty eye-opening for me, you know, in the, in the time when I started, you know, my, yeah, my, as a young adolescent, you're thinking, what's, what's going on here? Why mm-hmm. are we having these situations here? Why are there police escorts for an athletic team to leave an event? And why can we not have a friendly rivalry? I mean, there's, that's, every sport has a friendly rivalry. Right. I mean, that's why we know the Cubs are better than the White Sox. We know, yeah. that, you know, they're they're going to go and you know they're, they're going to battle back and forth. But it, it, you're talking riots now at these events, right. and and that's the closest thing that I that I lived through to something like that. You know, your school was put on the map as this the school that were at this basketball event. There were, there were there's all these racist comments and things, and it, it was very upsetting to those of us that did that don't choose that lifestyle and didn't mm-hmm. choose that that uh, you know initial book cover and you know so that's again why you know i want to be a big part of our city and help with mayor cole and whatever else we can do to you know write new chapters you know you, you guys probably represent the change uh that martinsville needs to go forward uh young uh progressive thinking or forward thinking and and that includes your mayor too so Chief James, you kind of helped to uh, kickstart this effort along with uh, Chief Long. How are you involved in it now, or are you involved in it now? Yes, uh, I'm still involved with it, um, as well as Captain uh, Ruben Marte over here. Uh, the one thing that I am going to give Marsville kudos on, and also Chief Long, is you know I have had several conversations with different chiefs throughout the state about issues like this as it relates to building better relationships and you're talking about race, right? A lot of people do not want to address that elephant in the room, which is race. Uh, When I reached out to Chief Long and we talked about this, it was like no thinking about it. He was like, well, what can we do to partner? And Captain Marte was was around as well. 
and just building those relationships because you can tell from talking to him, like, in his eyes, I want this to change. And I think they have made some tremendous steps in the city of Martinsville with trying to get that negative stigma that's attached to Martinsville and try to change. And before you can affect that change, you have to have a conversation, right? And we've been having those conversations. I mean, we have been in contact since we, we talked, and he's been on board. I mean, he's really taking that step one step further and, you know, yeah. being innovative about this change. Now, knowing uh, Captain Marte the way that we do, I have no he, no doubt he's just ready to get right in there and mix it all up. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so, Ruben, I, I, I want to ask you, what do you anticipate or e- expect? Because you're going to be conducting training uh, in Martinsville, right? Yes. What do you anticipate or what do you expect to see when you go in there? Well, um, I've been doing this now for probably easy, easily over five years. And normally sometimes <clears throat> when you tell an officer, particularly a white audience of officers, we're going to talk about cultural awareness for law enforcement, okay? Depending on if they had it before and it was a negative stigma attached to it, yeah, it just depends on you get received. However, I could say, honestly sit here and say the people that actually have been through the training, they have come back and said, okay, it was not attack white office training. It was actually inform the difference why we see things a little bit differently. Why sometimes when we talk about racial profiling, depending on who you are, it affects you differently. You might think about it a little bit differently. Why is it sometimes when we talk about bias, uh, racial biases? Depending on who you are, you might see a little bit differently. So sometimes what I've received back from some officers sometimes said, you know what, I never saw from that point of view. I didn't know. But now I do. And it has changed. I've got a lot of positive feedback. So going back to what uh, Chief James mentioned about Chief Long, when Chief James and I met and we were doing pretty much almost almost the same thing mm-hmm. <laughs> at different levels, and I'm thinking, why not get together? And when he mentioned Chief, Chief Long, I'm thinking, well, you think he might, if we could sit down and meet with him? I had no, no thought to my mind to offer the training to Chief Long, uh, mm-hmm. Marginal PD. But when I met with the man, and he was just so open-minded, I asked, and he, like Chief James said, without missing the beat, he yeah. says, let's do it. So he set up three days. In fact, this Friday is the first day for six hours training uh, with Martinsville PD officers. You know, I, I want to make a, a point. Uh, when I was in the military, we used to conduct a similar training. And before we would go into a command, half the battle was either won or lost, depending on the mind of the leader. Absolutely. And so uh, with someone like Chief Long, he's already advocating for you and leading the charge. That you know, makes your job a heck of a lot easier. Oh, though he, he has been phenomenal because he actually reached out to other agencies in Morgan, Morgan County as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. For those who are, have just tuned in, we have the privilege of speaking with uh, Martinsville Police Chief Matthew Long, Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte, and Indiana University Northwest Police Chief Wayne James. Uh, we're covering... Uh, a lot of things dealing with perceptions and realities uh, pertaining to Martinsville, Indiana, and uh, we've also talked about other communities as well. Uh, gentlemen, there have been a lot of positive things going on in Martinsville. One that steps out of my mind deals with the legacy of Albert Merritt, uh, and I believe that after uh, the basketball incident, I believe that there was an effort to create a recognition for Albert Merritt in the Martinsville community. Uh, can anyone, uh, Chief Long, uh, do you want to share with us a little bit about who uh, Albert Merritt was? I do know that a lot of his good work with the youth in, uh, in Morgan County began back in the early 1900s when he was a porter. 
um, and, and then took up residence in, in Martinsville and um, created, for all intents and purposes, a, a boys club uh, to try to help, uh, like a guide right for the youth there in Morgan County. Yeah, I read about that a little bit. Uh, I saw where it said in the, in the early 20s, we had like 1,600 Klan members or something that mm-hmm. uh, he wanted to, to, you know, start this this new club to work in that direction for the for the boys. You know, we, um, I don't know, there's so, there's so much history all, all around with, with the Klan. Uh, I, I used to grow up on the bus and you'd hear the stories and, and I, I feel like there's stories because I don't know if there's any truth to them or not. Um, people saying, you know, hey, you can't go out this road here. That's where the Klan meets. It's at the forestry, and uh, you know, I, I was a, I was a obnoxious teenager myself. I, I would go to the forestry and look and, and, and try things and, and, and drive through to see if I could locate anything. But um, when I read what you what you had sent uh, about him for the uh, the old sanitarium. Which is now all renovated because of Mayor Cole. They've, they've the whole new company came in. They've renovated that um, to know the history behind, you know, that that movement that he, that that was there. It, it just again, here we are, you know, all these years later, just now, pointing towards pointing towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know all the stories about you know what he did and, and everything, but but it seems like when you mention the name. Everyone kind of like, hey, and and that's a positive to mm-hmm. me. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, Carol Jenkins. I want Carol Jenkins, you know, that to be positive too. You mm-hmm. know, we've, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've helped trying to help her family get through a, a tragic events. All these are tragic events, uh, and again, you can't change the past, but we're trying to get over the past, mm-hmm. move into a new direction. I know that Albert uh, uh, Merritt, um, uh, as I said, started at that boys club, and. There was such um, uh, a desire to honor his work and all the things that uh, that he had sort of uh, was able to initiate in the community that there was this an annual event that was created a while back, and they would have keynote speakers. And I know that two individuals that went over and that were keynote speakers. One is a lady who has been a voice here on Bringing On, uh, Beverly Calendar Anderson, who now works with the city of Bloomington. The other one. Uh, I believe it was Dr. James Mumford, uh, who was the director of the IU Choral Ensemble, both chosen as keynote speakers to talk uh, about their perspectives and their experiences in dealing with people from uh, various uh, walks of life and the life lessons that they have learned. Um, being part of such conversations here in Bloomington, it, it's amazing. I've been asked and I have accepted the opportunity to talk to elementary school children about what it means to be black and growing up in Indiana. Uh, many of these students probably have not had more than three minutes conversation with someone of another uh, ethnicity. But the impact that you leave, of course, you know, you do the pen drop test and you have everybody's rapt attention, but then you're able to kind of share with them some life lessons, which I think is really vital. And I, I really think it's that sense of communication that's going to help us out. Uh, I, I think that Personally, as I've, as I've heard of some of the initiatives uh, by Mayor Cole and, and heard from Ruben about some of the things and from Police Chief James, some things that you're initiating there in Martinsville, uh, what a time to be doing that, given what's going on nationally. Uh, yesterday, uh, anniversary protests mm-hmm. uh, were being taken uh, place in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Uh, these are tense times. 
and a lot of uh, there's a need for open dialogue. How do we craft it? How do we have it? Um, uh, the town hall, I think it was Bill Clinton that introduced the concept of town hall meetings uh, years ago, and those were kind of used politically to get political points um, and to get political issues addressed. But boy, do we need something like that now uh, to just have people from different uh, cultures, backgrounds to come to a common table or to a common auditorium and just have a conversation about um, uh, their life and what values have gone into shaping them. Uh, Ruben, in your training sessions, you were on a couple weeks ago, you talked uh, a little bit about your training sessions. Can you add something else as far as what you may uh, do this Friday? Uh, I don't know if all the officers are listening here tonight on Brigging On, but uh, as best you can, can you sort of give us a, a, a rundown of what you plan to do to, to what, what do you want to achieve in this three-day uh, experience with those officers? Well, normally I start the presentation with letting them know how the whole thing got started, how, how, how my boss and I purposely, who happens to be white, purposely sat down and, and put a strategy together on how do we reach out to people, not shut them down, because if you shut them down, you're not going to reach out to them. And that wasn't our goal. We wanted to make sure we could unite and find things in common. That was, that was the main thing for us, finding things what we have in common and build on that. So one of the first things that we try to show, we show them a video of the Freedom Riders to show them the history of, of, of black people and minority, uh, black people and police officers, how the whole concept, how the whole uh, uh, fear, if you will, uh, uh, could be seen watching the Freedom Riders. From that point on, then we move on to, to actually talking about certain topics that we hit, because we hit a whole bunch of topics. Um, but the one that we really shed a lot of light on, as I mentioned before, is racial profiling, uh, because that really, really demands a lot of attention. What we also talk about the big elephant in the room is the fear of young black men uh, being killed by white officers. We hit that square on the head. I mean, we're not going to mince our words, so we talk about that so you understand this is an actual fear in the black and Latino community. But at the same time also, we talk about, okay, what is it that black community, Latino community, and the police officers have in common? And what we all have in common, when we at a traffic stop, we all of us want to leave that traffic stop alive and go home alive, okay? We also talk about the conversation we have with our, with our, with our kids, you know, or the, our parents' conversation with us when we were growing up, you know. So, because I can still remember yeah. when, years ago when I came to Indiana <clears throat> and driving <laughs> from the airport to Bloomington, I was told when you get to Martinsville, slow down. Now, not being from Indiana, I think, okay, what's wrong with Martinsville, you know? And uh, until it was repeated multiple times, after a while, you start, it just starts sinking in, you know? So, so uh, uh, one of the things we talk about as well is the other program that we put together is for the community side. So I do tell the officers, there's another program for the community side to articulate to them exactly what our world is, what is our culture on the police side. So both groups could at least try to understand each other because to, to, to actually learn a culture in three hours is not a very easy thing to do. However, the effort is there. And I could sit here honestly and tell you that when we act, every time we do a program like that, people do walk away with a better understanding on both sides, mm -hmm. on both sides. <clears throat> For me, it's a little bit unique, being an uh, African-American Latino man, that I could see both sides. It gives me more uh, of a leeway if you can. now with my white counterpart partner, my boss, 
he brings a certain understanding to the table as well that I want to understand on the white side. Because when we actually put this together, we actually sat down and said, okay, this is how I feel now as a black male driving and being stopped by a white officer. He's talking to me, okay. This is how I feel now as a white officer and I'm being told that you, you're stopping me because, because I'm black or Latino, whatever the case may be. I said, all right, how do we have this help? How do we talk about this thing and move forward? Now, I could tell you, very heated conversations at times, but it needed to be done because that's what we're going to anticipate when we talk to people that really don't understand our culture at times. And also, officers that understand our culture at times as well. How do, you, how do you measure how you're reaching them? Uh, what metrics might you use? I mean, it's, do you, like the, the classes that you've taught say three years ago, do you go back and survey? Do you? In the beginning, we, we, in the beginning we gave out, uh, uh, I have three boxes of surveys that we gave out to the officers. Uh, as far as on the community side, is how many times I'm invited back. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I could tell you, we are invited back a, a lot. In okay. fact, the, uh, the city of Anderson, mm -hmm. uh, we met with them, that was about 85 people in the room. And I tell you, the tension was there. Every time we left, we were invited back again to the point that when they have the Citizens Academy, they do invite us to come back and talk to them about the community side of the aspect. Okay. Yeah. Um, Chief Long. Yes, sir. You know, let, let's move past the uh, violent incidents that took place, but let's talk about a couple of uh, comments that were made by public officials. Now, it, it's one thing that you have to deal with the stigma of those uh, of the violence that occurred in uh, in Martinsville, but then there was a couple of incidents of uh, public officials making certain comments. I think the police chief made some disparaging remarks about about a couple of groups of people. Uh, as recent as 2002, um, the mayor said he never mistreated anybody and doesn't feel there's anything to apologize for. You know, statements like that have staying power, sure. right? And it takes a long time, and, and you can measure it in generations, to, for, for, to create a culture that, that and an environment that produces someone like that and then puts them in positions and in, in the highest echelons of power within the city. So you, you probably have uh, uh, people going back uh, a couple of generations that that still have that same type of thinking that you have to weed out and you have to deal with. Sure. So. Um, and, that, and that's exactly, I, I can vividly, picture some of the comments made uh, from one of the one of the people you're referencing uh, and it's one of those you read and you shake your head kind of things like, but it is still there there uh, you know 20 30 years older than I am but that may be the mentality that was there um, you know people have asked me I get calls a lot of times in the office too like hey you know um, my son was stopped the other night you know is it because he's a black male and I'm like no like he wasn't, I, I, no, because the officers we have now, I don't, you don't get that. You know, when I first came on, I was hired, I worked with completely different generations of officers. And so when someone would tell me a story like that, I might actually say, hey, that's a, that's a there's a chance that that's true. Uh, now, I don't see it. I don't hear it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, 
it's it's again something we're gonna have to change we're gonna have to to work on that new perception that gets rid of those old and i don't know that we'll ever have the ability to take it all away right but but to to curb some of those comments and i think sometimes uh when people speak i don't think they understand the uh the uh double-sided edge that it has um those were definitely comments that would probably be hard to hard to repair chief james what i would like to say is you know um and like chief long and working with uh Captain uh, Ruben Marte here. It's this this partnership is like so solid and it's credible, um, and it won't happen over. Things won't change overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you could trust the process, that things are getting done to try to build those relationships with not just the African American com- community, but those underrepresented populations, from not just the people at IU, but people outside of IU that travel through Marsville. And we're trying to change that right now. I think that's pretty positive. I was uh, very excited to be invited to your show to get this positive, these positive things out there. And if you look at the current climate in law enforcement, I mean, we're, we're far behind. But a lot of things are changing. Um, looking at some of the things we're doing with Indiana University PD, you know, training our officers in pretty much fair and impartial policing, procedural justice, and de-escalation training. As I said earlier, I give... Chief Long, kudos, because I have had this conversation with several other chiefs that you would think is forward-thinking, um, but they're not willing to have those conversations right now because they're afraid to address that elephant in a room that's going to bring some negative attention to their city instead of doing those positive things. And elephants don't like to be ignored. <laughs> Do any one of you know of any other areas in the state of Indiana that, that, uh, that's, that may be dealing with a similar issue uh, that Chief Long is dealing with in Martinsville. Oh, that's tough. Yeah, that, that, that's tough to really put a finger on. Yeah. Because so so, from my view, every time we do this, we're looking at a positive outlook. We're not going back <clears throat> and thinking about well, you have to know the history behind it. Um, but yeah, I, that's tough. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I could tell you that my experiences when I travel throughout the state and and provide this program, talk to people like Chief Long and Chief James. You know, that's that's great. You, I, after doing this for a while, I could see that we're on the same sheet of music. Sometimes, like Chief James mentioned, you talk to the other uh, other chiefs that you know you don't get that. Yes, let's do it yeah. fairly quickly. You know, they look at you like, well, I don't know if I really want to bring up negativity and think. Well, that's not what we want to do. We just want to really give another outlook. You know. So, but when when I, when I met and I say it again when I met you. Long, I mean, it was so fast in his office, and he just said yes, and, and here we are. Yeah, it moved really fast. You know, in a state like Indiana, where uh, there were sundown cities, mm. uh, there have been national images captured of lynchings. You know, I think of Marion, Indiana. I mean, it's just, it's you know, and from that, uh, uh, we've had speakers come to IU talk about that that whole experience and you know I think of other communities um, where their perceptions and then if, if I could put myself in um, someone's shoes who is white traveling to northwest Indiana can you imagine some of the conversations that go on around maybe a, a kitchen table or something and you know I don't know you're going up there tomorrow to do this true 
Yeah, sure. You get the ninety-four, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and 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 Chief James, I, I wonder at IU Northwest that um, the city itself, the composition is probably ninety percent black. Yes, and there are a lot of white students that go to IU Northwest. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the last campuses to really develop a a residential living environment because they don't have the dorms. And part of the reason is is that it truly is a commuter where people commute in and they commute out. And there are a lot of reasons behind it, not all dealing with perceptions of negativity, but there are a lot of economic issues surrounding Mm -hmm. it and whatnot. But I know that apparently there may be some efforts up front to kind of create uh, opportunities for students to elect to stay, especially they just started a, a new uh, medical school uh, extension on the campus, mm. and a deliberate attempt may be made to create a living environment. Now, along with that, need there needs to be an addressing of safety and security issues. Right. And along that corridor on 35th Avenue, I grew up in Gary. I've seen the changes in Glen Park, um, and there's a lot of things that the current mayor, uh, Karen Freeman Wilson, has to attend to to kind of create that perception. Can you speak to some of the initiatives that you all are launching? Yes, I, I can uh, say that that area you're talking about, 35th Avenue, from about 8094 up to about Ridge Road going to 65 to Grant Street, mm-hmm. that is by far probably one of the safest areas in the city now. Okay. And, and what I would tell you is, you know, Indiana University Police Department in Gary, Probably the time you was there, you know, the police department was not as proactive as they were. But I can tell you right now that I have 15 dedicated officers and they keep that area safe because we serve the community outside of IU. And it's, it is definitely a safe campus now. Uh, and we have some um, great relationships with the city of Gary, but also our outside partners, you know, like commissioners and council people and just working together like a co- co- collaboration to keep the campus safe, but also those students that you were talking about, those white students that's coming as counties as far as Jasper County, coming mm-hmm. to the city of Gary because they do feel that safety and security there. Mm-hmm. And I give kudos not just to the campus, but to my officers because they do a great job with keeping that uh, campus safe and the community we serve. That area has come a long way. It has. If this one of the safest places in the city right now I'm, I'm, I'm sure you can go <laughs> think back to uh, uh, a time that was not so pleasant um, Chief Long I wanted to ask you a little bit about the economic impacts of uh, Martinsville history I read an article from the Indy Star from 2000, November 2017 and it says PR can be hard to measure but Martinsville stigma left unaddressed for more than half a century may have stunted the town's growth. Many factors go into economic development, but an important one for small towns is their proximity to major cities. Many small towns near big cities have boomed. Uh, But when you talk about some of the surrounding areas near uh, Martinsville, they've kind of you know, expanded and, and grown where sure. Martinsville has not so right. much. Is that about to change? No? I think it's changing already as we speak. The last couple of years, just walking through town, you guys talk about, you know, Gary, how it's changed. If you go back, what you see, I walk down on our town square now, and there's new buildings every day. We've got c- companies coming in, I mean, new restaurants um, with I-69, you know, knocking at our back door. So many opportunities. And I, and I think you know, the right people are, are where they need to be and, and the right decisions are being made 
to, to you know move Martinsville that way. Uh, something in our county, we have another city, Mooresville. It's in it's in Morgan County. People tell you all the time, why don't you do what Mooresville's doing? Well, Mooresville's got Plainfield. Plainfield's got Indianapolis. Um, we have to. I mean, we, otherwise it's going to be that. You're going to be that, that town that you drive through. There's a gas station, maybe, and you just keep on going north because it, it's all it's all down but mayor cole and and, and our our council you know our citizens they want more they want martinsville to, to stay on the map and I, I really think a lot of good things are coming from martinsville do you think uh people in bloomington can play a role in that i mean <clears throat> i think you know you have a lot of business here i know as a as a as a citizen of martinsville for a while, I would go to Greenwood or I would go to Bloomington to entertain myself or my family on the weekends because you guys had more options. Um, I think we start getting these these big companies coming in and start having our options. It gives you guys an opportunity to you know come north a little bit, you know Greenwood to come south, to come in and, and, and take place in that. I think uh, with jobs, if we if we open up some of these big businesses, where employment right off the highway just north of Bloomington or just south of Indianapolis, you know. You can't put, you can't employ 600 Martinsville citizens in one building. You're going to need, you're going to need outside citizens to to employ these these new businesses that are coming in. So, I think I think it could do a, you know, a, a Bloomington's important to Martinsville just as you know, the next county down with Bedford and everybody. It's 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 the same way. We're all we're all going to help each other. Do do the um, do the mayors in Southern Indiana get together? I believe they do have a lot of mayor conferences and different things like that. Um, I know she's attended many uh, in-state and out-of-state mm-hmm. uh, events to go and, and you know communicate. I know she's uh, good friends with uh, some mayors in the northern part of the state that she meets with all the time and, and takes ideas. And, and she tries to uh, get other communities that are similar in size and look at their you know their infrastructure and say, hey, can we, can we be that good? Can we go a little bit better? Are we Are we anywhere near that? And I think you know, in, in just a short amount of time, and we're we're just pushing three and a half years right now. Well, I know that um, she is a first-term mayor. She is, and uh, she ran against a machine. Yeah, uh, she and, did. and I'll say it for. I mean, uh, you, you cannot say these things, <laughs> but I will say that uh, <laughs> her, her predecessor uh, w- was not a novice at <laughs> being the mayor, and and oh, had, uh, had had how many six terms or something. So that I think it was a combined twenty-six years for the previous two mayors that they shared. Um, and then, uh, you know, the little girl from Martinsville, Indiana. Uh, a fresh voice. Fresh voice. Came out uh, and, and appealed to the public and, and had a fresh message, perhaps. And, and we've we talked about it before. Martinsville is not a city that enjoys change. Um, but that when there's a positive change, how do you, you, know, how do you, how do you beat it down and, 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 and turn it off? Mm-hmm. And so I think she's doing great things. I think and that's what we're hoping to do out of this whole, this whole partnership here is, you know, Take a new turn. Take a new turn. As you uh, say, it's a quick experiment. As you as you sort of close your eyes and think of uh, meetings where she brings her cabinet together, and, and and you're there. What do you hear her hammering home to those in leadership? Yeah, she she's very. She wants you know for for the police department. You know, the the city says there's a drug problem. Go out and do something for the drug problem. You know, what can we do to help? Where can our you know police and fire what do we need to, to get back out there to our public? You know, what do we need to get out there for our officers to be more safe? And it's always everything. There's no, nothing's off the table. If you're if you're talking, you know, I need this much money. I need this program. 
we're gonna have to have fine time. I need to find officers. She's gonna be right there with you trying to figure that out. Mm-hmm. She's gonna she's gonna go into those meetings open minded, and she's gonna let us you know, you know where maybe in the past the uh, the police chief didn't necessarily police the uh, department. Mm-hmm. She she allows me to do that. She allows me and my you know our our command uh, structure to do what we think is is necessary to to get on and if it works and it's going the right direction she's going to back you and that's that's important you mentioned something interesting um there's a drug problem and and you're probably drawing reference to the opioid epidemic that is uh, not just hitting indiana hard uh and it's hitting the nation but there were some southern communities further south that were just devastated Mm -hmm. and it's sort of moved in this direction we see it we see a lot of a lot of lawrence county traffic north we see it and again this this highway that's going to bring so much good mm. is also going to open up mm-hmm. other other things for us as well so you know she, we're, we've got to add law enforcement we've got to have substations we've got to attack it even harder and it's going to be there but again with it with every good there comes a, a little bit of bad and, right. and that's 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 something we work on every day to try to curb chief james was the uh opioid epidemic kind of uh did it have more of a presence in the south compared to your area? We see it a lot because we're so close <coughs> to Chicago. Yeah. We're so close to Chicago. And you could, I mean, you could drive to Chicago and you're getting it a lot cheaper probably than you getting it down here. It's so readily available. Uh, so you have people from Porter County that's driving over to Chicago to get heroin and bringing it, bringing it back. And if you look at Porter County, it's real bad right now with, with heroin, dog epidemic has has really hit Porter County really hard and even in the high schools now no one is spared huh yeah well we got about two two minutes left um Chief Long you're here telling your story now uh uh, about how you want to change the perceptions of Martinsville give us one more example uh real quick of what you're doing to make that happen again I, I I try to explain to my people Nothing's off the table. If there's something out there, like when, when Ruben and, and James hit me up to help us move in the right direction, I'm open-minded. I'm willing to try. I mean, they came in, tossed around the idea, and it, it's what we need. I mean, if you overlook the needs and just continue to live as is, I, I refuse to be stagnant. I mean, I know that I'm replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. Um, Not I me. Wanna, not you. No, that's 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 good. It's hard being <laughs> he went to West Side. Wait, hold on. It's that it's that mind perception. Yeah, there. West Side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I just you know I, w- I want to make sure that uh, you know I, I I went into this job knowing that I'm going to have to listen. I'm going to have to listen to the public. I'm going to have to listen to my bosses. I'm going to have to listen to my officers. I'm going to have to listen to my family. And you know we're we're all no, nobody's perfect. And, and when something's not working. If you just let it stay that way, it's never going to work. You start working towards the future. You start moving things around. My ideas come up, but there are, there are a lot better ideas out there than mine. And if someone wants to bring ideas in, like what these, these gentlemen have brought into us, I'm willing to learn. They're, they're, I was 10 minutes in a, in a meeting with these guys, and I've known James for a long time. And, and uh, it's just been, it's been a good time to, for Martinsville to say, hey, Everything around us is moving in that right direction. The police force needs to go that same way. The fire, you know, the streets, whatever it may be, the business structure, and you know these guys. And, and having you know, never having ne- met, never met Captain Marte, you know, have my my academy buddy tell me, hey, let's do this, let's work this out. It was a no-brainer for me. It, it, 
it made sense to say, let's do this. Let's move Martinsville, you know, out, out of those 1960s and 70s and into 2018, 19. Well, we're going to let that be the last word, and our thanks to Martinsville Police Chief Matthew Long, Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte, and Indiana University Northwest Police Chief Wayne James for joining us to talk about the perceptions and realities in the future of Martinsville, Indiana, and other communities in Indiana.
for our continuing salute this summer. You just heard I Say a Little Prayer, sung by the Queen of Soul, Aretha Franklin. This iconic rendition was released in June of 1968. A source close to the singer spoke to the Associated Press today to confirm that although Aretha is seriously ill, they did not provide any additional details as to the severity or the cause of this 76-year-old singer's illness. Our thoughts and prayers are with her. This is Bringing On, the People's Forum for Black Culture in South Central Indiana and beyond. Are you a tweeter? You're invited to follow the WFHB News Twitter account. This is a great way to get breaking news and updates on what's going on behind the scenes and on the air with WFHB News. Go to Twitter.com and search for WFHB News, or you can always visit WFHB's news website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. We want to know what you think of current black issues, so please send your comments to Bring It On at WFHB.org. Once again, our thanks to Martinsville Police Chief Matthew Long and Indiana State Police Captain Ruben Marte and Indiana University Northwest Police Chief Wayne James for joining us to talk about the perceptions, realities, and the future for Martinsville and other communities in Indiana. Our show's producer to my left is Clarence Boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Wes Martin. Our board engineer is Chris Martin. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Clarence Boone. And tune in next Monday. I can't believe it's August 20th next Monday at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.